As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone and this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We're going to be discussing the horrible 3-1 defeat at home to Manchester City and as we've got Unai Emery's Aston Villa at Villa Park in a little over 48 hours, ridiculous as that may seem, we'll discuss some possible strategies for steadying the ship. Uh, joined this morning uh, by James McNicholas and Art de Roche. Morning. Good morning. Morning. Morning, guys. Now, I think we can all agree that the pressure is building up. So what we thought we'd do before we start talking about the game, we need some coping with pressure tips. Uh, we need them snappy and, more importantly, legal. Uh, I'm sure smoking all sorts of illegal substances might lower your stress levels, but we can hardly recommend that on this podcast. Art, what you got for us? So I was thinking about mine, and I'm not sure it's particularly healthy because <laughs> I just detach emotionally from everything. Like Even just before we started recording... Um, so my mum was at work during the game and she only saw the score when she got back when I was asleep and she tried to talk to me about it and I was just like I I just I was just in work mode already so I just try and detach myself from everything um which healthy which probably isn't (laughs) No. no but I understand it's a coping strategy you have to do that and let it slowly let that result slowly seep into you yeah, you know, yeah. deal with it in a, in the way that you deal with it, and and uh, you know what, uh, Mrs. De Roche, <laughs> you're going to have to understand that uh, that is how Art deals with it, and he's dealing with it, and he seems a bit happier. Have you spoken to us since then? Um, no, no. actually, oh. <laughs> it was like five minutes before we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> all right, talk to her at some point. All right, you got to mend those, build those bridges yeah. with your mum. Uh, James, what you got for us? Coping strategies. I think similar to art, really. I, I think I just disassociate a little bit from it. Yeah. I, I have to get my head outside of the football bubble. Uh, otherwise, you know, it does start to get to you. You've got to do something else. Pick up a book, turn the channel over. I got in my car after the game last night and um, turned the engine on. And straight away, uh, a football phone in came up on the radio. And I was, I've never seen a man change the station <laughs> faster. No. Than, uh, than I did in that moment. I've got to say, actually, funny story this week. My mate Ed was telling me that he's starting to feel the pressure of the season and 
He said he described a habit he's developed where he was watching the Brentford game in the stadium and he was waiting to see if Arsenal got a stoppage time winner. And he said he's now so attuned to watching on TV or via an internet stream that he actually refreshed Twitter in the stadium to see if we'd scored, <laughs> although he was watching the game with his own eyes. So I think the pressure yeah. is definitely starting to tell on people. Yes. Well, it, yes. And the thing is, because I, I, for me, I work in quite a high-stress job. I mean, I do do stand-up comedy for a living. So what I found, uh, doing a task seems to work quite well. Doing something... My mother used to do these tapestries of cats. She used to sew... I'm not sure there's a huge crossover uh, with Handbrake Off and cat tapestries um but i'd say uh exercise that's what i tend to do i go for a long walk or pilates um again i'm not it's not for everyone but when your legs are over your head it does allow you to say to your instructor i'd like to keep working with you but i think you've you've put me in a very difficult position it's <laughs> never not funny I, seriously i mean although she she slightly laughs through gritted teeth at this point anyway um <laughs> let's talk about the game then I know we have to disassociate but now we have to associate again alright uh, we're ready for that well it was an incredible atmosphere to play on I think it was a huge battle um, a battle that in, in, moment, in many moments we felt that we could win it and, um, and we throw it away Arsenal 1 Manchester City 3 I, I have to say, it's a strange thing to be doing this podcast when we know everyone is down at the moment. Uh, even though in the cold light of day, when we look at the league table, we're level on points at the top of the Premier League with a game in hand, which incidentally is at home to Everton, which is very winnable. Uh, nonetheless, it was a chastening experience at the Emirates where our slightly callow and youthful team... is it, Actually, callow does sort of mean youthful, doesn't it? Anyway, our slightly youthful and youthful team gave them two goals and tried to give them many, many more because, as James said... In your piece on the website this morning, we stuck to our principles. Uh, talk us through that, James. Yeah, I, I, the reason I found that interesting is Aaron Ramsdale was speaking before the game and he said, you know, I want our, he said, all Mick Arteta said to us is he wants us to be Arsenal. And I think what was disappointing last season at times were there were certainly games where Arsenal didn't adhere to their principles and seemed to kind of abandon that. I think last night was a case of them sticking to it, but not executing it as well as Mikel Arteta would have wanted. That's the second part of the job. And what really clearly frustrated the manager was the nature of certainly the first couple of goals Arsenal conceded. You know, they felt extremely avoidable. And I think it was just interesting that they came from Arsenal trying to play passes, perhaps that, you know, either weren't on or weren't chosen at the appropriate moment. In a game in which City... I found it fascinating, went long quite frequently. You know, they used Edison to give them range and territory and win second balls and use Haaland as an outlet. So I think that's where the regret will lie this morning is that, you know, Arsenal had a very strong first half performance. Admittedly, I think City figured them out a little bit in the second, but the goals that Arsenal conceded, the first two in particular, were sloppy. They certainly were. I mean, Art, would you have been happy? Oh, it's a silly question, this, but but I'm asking you here. Would you be happy? Would you have been happier with a rather principleless draw? I mean, how would the crowd of yesterday have felt if we sat back, played a sort of five-four-one, and played on the counter attack? I think they probably would have been fine with it, but yeah. um, the the feeling, I guess, isn't 
after the game, I don't think there was anyone that felt any anger towards that game. It was more frustration, which is a very different emotion. And I feel like that's because of the way Arsenal played. It wasn't as if they were blown out the water by Manchester City. They competed for 60, 70 minutes. And then you just saw not being able to have any real control of that game took its toll on them. And I'm not saying that City had control of the game either. It just was a really kind of scrappy first hour and City were able to take their chances. And when when the game opened up, it was their game to to take, basically. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't really feel too angry at the performance because it it was another one where they were there <laughs> uh, as opposed yeah, to in recent years not being anywhere near <laughs> Manchester City on the pitch. So no. yeah, you just hope that those moments where say Jack is in a great position and he makes the wrong decision, those moments go your way, which they have done uh, so far this season. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that Arsenal did make mistakes in this game and, and naturally as Arsenal fans and people who talk about Arsenal, our focus is going to be on that. But I really think the story of the game is, is it was also the ruthlessness with which City exploited those moments. You know, it's not like Aaron Ramsdale made 10 saves in the game. You know, there were a couple of moments where Arsenal erred, where they were a little bit sloppy. But the way in which City took advantage of those was absolutely devastating. It was. I mean, we do have we do play a sort of high risk, high reward style. You said that in your piece, James, and we've left ourselves open against a number of teams this season, but we haven't been punished in quite the same way. I mean, I, I, I sat with Adrian for the Brentford game, and because where you sit when you do the breakdown, you have quite a sort of a bit more of a panoramic view of what's going on on the pitch. And Adrian pointed out to me the way that Zinko, Zinchenko joins the midfield and leaves a gap behind. But as you said, James, <laughs> against Man City, when they started playing further up the field in the second half, it was ruthless. Um, yeah. And and it, and and look, we're we're at the big boys' table now, as they say. And um, is it credit, James? Can I ask you this: Is it credit to Mikel Arteta that they stood off as much as they did in the first half? Possibly. I mean, I don't think you'll see many Manchester City games where they finish with thirty-six percent possession. Um, oh. It was really interesting to see you know, who was going to have the majority of the ball in this game. And ultimately, it ended up being Arsenal, if it, even if it wasn't always in the territory they would have liked. To be honest, I think it probably would have suited Arsenal in some respects uh, to not have the ball at times and be able to have more space to break into, especially with the likes of Martinelli and Saka on the wing. But yeah, I, I think you're absolutely spot on. Arsenal, you know, we look at last night, we say, oh, they made mistakes. You know, they, they, we don't normally make mistakes. I don't think that's true. I think Arsenal do play a very high-risk game. And it does generally lead to them being caught once or twice per 90 minutes. The simple case is that most opposition don't score from those positions where they regain possession 30 or 40 yards out. Um, they're not as clinical as City were. And that raises an interesting question of, well, when you're faced with such devastating opposition who are so clinical, who do have that ruthless edge, how do you deal with that? Do you have to just execute your primary strategy perfectly? Or do you have to try something else? And I guess that's what Mikel Arteta will be wrestling with ahead of the, the next meeting between the teams at the Etihad. Um, it is also worth saying that, you know, I thought Arsenal for 45 minutes were, were really good. 
you know, the response to the first goal was fantastic, both on the pitch and in the stands, as we've become accustomed to at the Emirates Stadium. They they really rallied. And at half time, although City had a little moment just before the whistle, I, I thought Arsenal <laughs> Arsenal were on top, you know, and Pep said it himself in his press conference. He said there was one team in the game. I think that's taken it a bit far, but I think it was Arsenal's, it looked like Arsenal's match to go on and win. And I have to say, I, I was really impressed by the small tweaks that City made at halftime and throughout the second half. It, it, it was almost like a, that classic thing of like a, a python, you know, <laughs> they sort of, they've got you in their grip and any mistake you make, they just tighten a little bit more. When you wriggle, they just go a little bit further and it felt um, crushingly inevitable, unfortunately. Yeah, there was something about that. I mean, I mean, look, this is an Arsenal podcast. We don't want to talk about Man City particularly, but Christ out, they're a good team, aren't they? I mean, I mean, they are a quality, quality side. I mean, I saw the, the you know, the goal scorers of them were De Bruyne, Grealish and Haaland. <laughs> I mean, how much are they worth? I mean, I mean, it does tell you that we still have some way to go, doesn't it? And I think everyone knew that, to be fair. But on the point in terms of how good they are and the tweaks that they made throughout the game, I thought the first, I guess, 15 minutes, Arsenal, again, that the way that midfield worked, I think Arsenal were able to figure out what they were doing in that first 15 minutes. So you saw, I guess, Jorginho and Gundogan, Gundogan, sorry, um, Erdegaard on Silva, who was playing left back, and then Xhaka was pushing up on Rodri. And that kind of stopped them a little bit. They they had to figure that out. But the thing is, they were able to. Um, as the game went on, you just saw, I guess, the difficulty of having to have almost eyes in the back of you back of your head at the same time oh, the um, pressure. for for so long because yeah. Jorginho and Jacker, I, I thought they did really well in the first half. Jorginho in particular pick, picking up some really good positions just to snuff out any loose balls in midfield and just in front of the back four. Um, but then when you have to do that repeatedly, um, I just think you saw how big a task that actually is. Yeah, quite. I mean, well, on the specific uh, players, there was a lot of gnashing and wailing of teeth. No, wailing and gnashing of teeth, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those. Anyway, there was a lot of uh, upset on Twitter a couple of hours before when it became clear that Thomas Partey wasn't playing. But James, I thought Jorginho played well, actually. I didn't feel that, that Thomas Partey not being there was the main reason for that defeat. No, I think he would have been useful. I think he would have been very useful in, in two respects. One is obviously City were going long and, you know, if they're looking into Haaland, obviously you've got Saliba or Gabriel behind him, but Partey's quite good at sort of coming in front and providing yeah, a bit right, of a screen yeah. there. And second of all, just in terms of the build-up play from the back, I mean, Arsenal, they did get out on occasions uh, and threaten, but Partey's so integral to that. I mean, I will say that, he is a player who takes more risks than most and there's every chance he would have been caught too in one or two positions. But I think that's another frustration for Arsenal fans is that, you know, effectively this game felt had a bit of a cup final feel and we all desperately wanted to see as close as possible to our best 11 on the yeah. field to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with City. I think, I think deep down probably we know it needs to be our best 11, really, against a team of that calibre. And I think if you were picking players who would be important to how you play against City, I think 
that Jesus and Partey would figure very, very prominently <laughs> on that list. Yes, quite, quite. I was looking for some solace, but you're absolutely <laughs> right. We did miss him and we miss Jesus and we continue to miss Jesus. Even though Eddie uh, has been doing a, a splendid job, he did miss a couple of chances. Uh, I mean... Strikers miss chances. I think the first head-up was a great ball in from mm. Sinchenko and a lovely bit of movement from him just to get into that position. But he should have buried it, shouldn't he, really? Yeah, he should have. It almost seemed like one where he thought about what he was doing before he did it. Um, whereas we all know Eddie Nketiah's biggest strength is probably his instincts. And we saw he made a similar kind of movement against Manchester United for his first goal in that game to get a header at the back post. Obviously, this one was a bit further out, but it, it just, yeah, strikes me as someone who fought a bit too much. Um, but again, I think you're seeing just someone who's played, started every game since, well, before Christmas, really, because he was starting in the friendly games. And similar to Martinelli, they're not going to have a 7, 8 out of 10 every game they play. So it'll be interesting to see, I guess, how that goes on because in terms of general play, again, he was fine, I thought, in terms of general play. But it is, again, the difference between Arsenal and Manchester City is that Manchester City have the players that you know will take those chances um, and Arsenal just don't have that yet. No, that is that is true. But also, I think I think Eddie and Ketu instead of Gabriel Jesus is a little like Jorginho instead of Thomas Partey, isn't yeah. it? They can they can both do a job, but mm-hmm. you know we forget, don't we, what Gabriel Jesus did for us in the first three four months of the season. The way he can wriggle out of uh, tight spaces, you know, he's a more experienced striker than Eddie. He's yeah. won four titles at Man City or whatever it is. Also, uh, James Tommy Asu coming in instead of uh, Ben White. I mean, it's a big game to bring him in to. Ben White has looked a little bit shaky in the past few games. I mean, it's it's so easy in hindsight. Uh, and 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 Haaland should never have even won that header to put him under pressure. But he did, mm-hmm. obviously, because he's enormous, as we kept pointing out. I I mean, John Carew is the only one I've seen who's bigger than that. I'll be honest with you. He just <laughs> I, We all just sat there for most of the game going, look at the size of him. Look at him. Another Norwegian, by the way. <laughs> Another, yeah, yeah, they make him big over there. They definitely do. James, uh, Tommy, I thought Tommy actually settled quite well. It's a shame the volley fell to him in the box in the first half, but I'd have loved him to bury that. That would have been a proper... Ah, yes, OK, he's back now. But I think the way the crowd and the team rallied around him was good. Do you think it was the right decision to bring him in, though? I understood it because I do think Ben White's been a little bit off his usual level. Um, I was still a bit surprised, I have to be honest. Like I said had that cup final feel and I thought Arteta would just pick his best team, you know, um, the team that he'd picked to play for his life, as it were. Uh, it wasn't Tommy Asu's night, I don't think. I mean, not only did he have the back pass, but he also managed to get a nick on the shot, which took oh. it beyond Ramsdale. Oh. The funny thing is, it's not a great shot, that, from Grealish. No. It's close to the goalkeeper. And I was watching yeah. it thinking, how's that gone in? And then you just see, literally, it's like a, an inch, you know, that it lifts above him. So not a great night for Tommy Asu all in. You know, I, I thought he did okay, but I thought... I don't think he necessarily did enough to keep his place. Let's put it like that. I think it's something that Arteta went for, but I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, White back in there at the weekend. In fairness to Tommy Asu, Arteta brought him in for the Liverpool game, albeit to yeah, play at a left-back, yeah. and Arsenal won that match. Um, but the, the switch didn't work quite as well this time. 
Yes. All right. Um, Bukayo Saka, by the way, still, uh, I just, I know we mention him every week, but <laughs> but what he stands for, what the way he conducts himself, he got kicked by Bernardo Silva and he still stood up and that penalty was nerveless. And he's got Edison, one of the best goalkeepers in the world, pointing where he wants him to put it, trying to psych him out. And, uh, and was there really any doubt, Art, that Saka was going to bury that penalty? Apologies for the language, but after the pen went in, I just thought this guy has really big bollocks. He does. Because to be fair, like Edison pointing that way when it was happening, I was, I myself, I just had to kind of give myself a moment to, to put, (laughs) if you put yourself in his situation, standing there, I don't know what that would have felt like. And I can't conceive it really in my mind because I probably would have been shaken in my boots. <laughs> but um, it just shows, again, the way he played in that first half, even if he's not getting the service that people think he would get, he still stands up. And I think that penalty was just another kind of example of him being ready to face a challenge when the odds seem stacked against him. So it was really a really nice moment to see. And obviously that kind of continues his 100% record from the penalty spot for Arsenal as well. Yeah, maybe we should uh, ask him how to cope with pressure because he seems to do it better <laughs> than pretty much anyone, uh, really. Uh, anyway, uh, that's enough of that. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Uh, in the second half, uh, we'll chat about how we move forward from here. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone, Art de Rochelle, James McNicholas here on Handbrake Off. So, James, the bare facts are we've not won in four games, lost three of them, uh, only scored two goals. How do we change the narrative now? We've got Villa in less than 48 hours, oh, sorry, in just over 48 hours' time, 12.30 on a Saturday. Uh, we don't like that time for whatever reason, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that that's the players as much as the rest of us, to be honest. But how do we how do we change the narrative? Because as I said at the start of the podcast, we are level on points with City with a game in hand. If you just take away what's gone on before, we're in a strong position. It's so simplistic and it's so frustrating when you ask Mikel Arteta this question because he gives you a one-word answer. But the one-word answer is win. Uh, and if, if Arsenal win their next game at Aston Villa, they'll be top of the league. And even that, even if it's just for a matter of hours, would I think change the mood a little bit, you know, and sort of illustrate that we are still in a fight. We are still in a race. 
I think that the fear that a lot of Arsenal fans have, and I'll be honest, it's one that I share, is that the last few league games presented a, quite an amazing opportunity and that it may have been slightly squandered. If, if you think that we had to go to bottom Everton, home to Brentford, and then we, we had a home game against Man City, I know it's sort of ifs, buts and maybes, but... I can't. I, I have to be honest and say I think that for Arsenal to win the league, I feel like they had to keep riding that train of momentum through those games, and probably win yesterday's to give themselves the cushion to manage what will be a sort of topsy turvy period until the end of the season. I think it is going to be very difficult from this point because City are just a juggernaut, and I think when they They've shown how ruthlessly they take opportunities on the pitch in this game against Arsenal. And I think they take them in the context of the league as well. You give them an inch, they take a mile. So I think Arsenal urgently need a result against Aston Villa. If, if, if this title race is to go until April, May, if we are to remain a serious contender, we cannot allow this winless run to go very much longer at all. Mm. Um, and Villa, you know, have they've had decent form under Emery, but of late, uh, a more away of, than at home. Actually, they've got a decent away record, I believe. Yeah, rather than at home. And so. they've conceded seven goals, I think, in their last two games. You know, they went to to uh, Spurs and won first of January, but then in February their league results three one against City. There's that's no disgrace of a result. We've all been there. Although they actually, when they went to three one, they City rocked a little bit. That is true. Really. That is true. But then they lost four two at home to Leicester, yeah. uh, a resurgent Leicester. Who should be pointed out? Arsenal play the following weekend. So it's <laughs> I think it's two tricky games. Villa away, yeah. Leicester away, but there's no time to waste. Arsenal have got to get back on the horse. They've got to get a result. And what, you know, Mikel Arteta faces some big questions because it's a third game in under a week. And, you know, we spoke about some of these players and how much football they've played. I imagine he was kind of planning to rotate a bit in this one anyway, but I'll be fascinated to see what he does to shake things up. Well, that... It's the main thing, isn't it, Art? I mean, what changes can he make? Because we know how th thin the squad is, really. Even with the additions that we made, you know, Trossard and uh, Kivior, we we don't have a lot of cover uh, to bring into to big Premier League games. No, and the, the momentum is the most important thing when I'm looking at it. And you can't really make too many changes if you want to keep that momentum going. So going into Villa, I guess, like James said earlier, I wouldn't be surprised if White came back in uh, right back for Tomiyasu. And then beyond that, I'd probably say Trossard. Um, but that's, and that's it, it really. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really? Um, but the thing is as well, I, I don't really know if that's the worst thing in the world. I know Arsenal have lost two games on the bounce, but the core of that team is what's got them to this point. So it's just about almost, and I know it's really, it's much easier to say it than to actually do it, but to get back to what you were doing at the start of the season or the first half of the season, which we've seen shades of in the last couple of games, it's just that execution hasn't been there. And it's a really, yeah, it's a really difficult one to put your finger on because in, in the, 
large part, this is the same team. Um, it is. But I guess it's just a momentum thing. Um, just to point out, by the way, um, we lost. We haven't lost two games in a bounce. We because we drew with uh, Brentford. Oh, sorry, my bad. No, my bad. No, we drew with Brentford, uh, but we we lost to Man City uh, in the cup with half a reserve team, where we're sort of feeling each other yeah. out. We lost to Everton. And I think everything went against us that day. New manager bounce and all the rest of it. Um, we drew with Brentford when, let's be fair, we had two points stolen from us from uh, an idiotic refereeing, a VAR decision. And yesterday could have gone a different way. So I, I, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be stupidly optimistic uh, about the whole thing. But I saw quite a lot of signs yesterday that this was not a team that were accepting that momentum had changed and, oh, it's all we no. can't. Go on, Art, you want to? Yeah, no. So when I mentioned momentum, I wasn't saying that it switched like totally. It was more that I feel this group of players is still what um, will kind of get that momentum back in Arsenal's favour. So that's kind of what I meant by that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, James... I saw plenty of signs yesterday that they still believe in themselves. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think during Arsenal's good run when they were racking up win after win, I think if we probably look back and examine some of those games, some of those fine margins, some of those yeah, decisive moments in the box went in Arsenal's favour. You know, shots that are creeping wide now crept inside the post and... You know, uh, the inverse true of the opposition. Things went for us to a certain extent and they're not right now. You know, I I don't think Arsenal... Yeah, I I, I don't think there's been a, a, a huge drop-off. But, you know, we, we are going to be missing Partey, almost certainly, at Aston Villa. So that's something to consider. I, I agree, Jorginho, I think, did better than many expected against City. And I'm intrigued to see how he gets on there. I mean, listen, that was the site of one of the the big away victories last season. Ultimately, uh, we fell short regarding Champions League qualification, but the, the win we got there with that performance from Bern Leno oh, yeah, was a, a real galvanising <laughs> moment. And let's hope it can be again, because I'm we sure do. Unai will be very, very, very fired up for this one. Yeah, well, that's the other thing, isn't it, of course? Unai Emery, uh, he will want to put one over over the team that uh, chewed him up and spat him out. But we can't get involved uh, in any of that. We've got to go there, play our game, and um, uh, travel, hopefully, I guess, is the uh, <laughs> is the message, if you're listening, guys. Um, and, and do you sense, one more thing before we stop, Art, do you sense there's still the belief in the, in the crowd that there was a couple of weeks ago? I wasn't at the game yesterday, but I could feel it through the TV, definitely. <laughs> so I, I don't feel like that would have dampened. The only thing would have been frustration, I guess, from yeah. the events of the game. But in terms of belief, I reckon that would still be there. James, do you feel that as well? Do you feel that as well? Because I, I did feel that. There was a lot of a lot of positivity coming from the stands. Uh, there was, and I think what Art said is right, it's less anger and more frustration, really. Yeah, I think that is fair. And and the, the crowd still gave the team a pretty decent reception at full time, despite the result. But, you know, it's a, it's a cycle, isn't it? F- players and fans feed each other's belief. And I think at this point in time, the onus is on the players to put in a performance to really restore uh, any 
sort of wavering doubts that may be there uh, among the Arsenal fans. And, and you know, sometimes as a player, having an opportunity to do that very soon, very quickly, is a good thing. And I imagine, you know, you, you we ask about how we cope with pressure and that at the top of the show, and it's a, a fair concern, a good question. But I think a lot of these players, they thrive on that. You know, that's what makes them want to do it it's the it's it's the attraction for them they love these moments and there's pressure is on them now and i guess we'll see how they respond i mean you're a performer as well james mm. i mean i mean we we do know how hard it can be after a couple of gigs which uh, <laughs> which haven't gone that well <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true and it and it isn't easy is it there is a certain trepidation and we're just going on and doing our thing it's not like there's another comedian or performer trying to stop us doing what we're doing it's not easy to get back on the horse but these are the moments when uh that's why they pay us the big bucks james right yeah that's true and unlike us you know they've got Mikel arteta encouraging them and telling them what to do (laughs) (laughs) we're fending for ourselves mostly it's true. That's true. I'd, I'd quite like a team talk once in a while before exactly. a difficult call for it. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's have a. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, one other question. Do we have a? Do we have uh, you guys connected with the club? Do we have an idea of when uh, Gabriel Jesus is coming back, or is this? St- are they still not saying anything? Art, have you heard anything at all? They're still very quiet on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it will be such a shot in the arm for Arsenal season. So I'm sure, like like everyone else, uh, we're all just crossing our fingers it's as soon as is sensibly possible. Quite, quite. Uh, let's have a song. Do we have a song, guys? I know that you were both <laughs> sounding a little bit like, oh, God, a song. Uh, I've got one, by the way. I've got uh, a, a Lenny Kravitz song. Um, it ain't over till it's over, OK, because it isn't. I like that message a lot more. I mean, the closest yeah. I'd got was like "Dry Your Eyes, Mate" by the Street. So I'm much more happy with your choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, if you want, uh, if there's a picture of Lenny Kravitz online wearing the longest and biggest scarf you've ever seen, it's absolutely insane, and it is worth having a look at. You go, that is that's not practical in any way, really. It's, uh, it's more like carpet for stairs he's got on his round his neck. Uh, what have you got? Uh, uh, we'll just go with yours. We'll just go with yours. Oh, yeah, okay. No, no. I, I, listen, I have been a bit of a siren of positivity, uh, but do you know what? It isn't. It isn't. And uh, let's go to Villa on Saturday. Win against Villa. By the way, even a draw, but a win will take us top of the table again. And it just seems a little crazy to be losing our minds over this stuff. I know that people aren't. Some are. I don't think Arsenal internet was quite as bad as I thought it would be uh, yesterday. Uh, But let's stay with it because the team deserve that, I think. That's it for uh, Handbrake Off. Thanks to Art De Roche. Thanks to James McNicholas. And thanks to Abby, our producer. And we'll speak to you shortly after Saturday. See you. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. 
StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.